It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seifel, and this week I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing? All right. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Doing good. All right. So let's start off with good old Promote Extend Trade. And on uh, September 15th in 1916, so almost 100 years ago now, tanks are first introduced into combat during the uh, Battle of the Somme in World War One, And obviously, tanks still exist in warfare and everything, but other definitions and meanings have developed. And I'm sure Lucas is very familiar with this one. But mm-hmm. in video games, mm-hmm. tanks are basically your big, big, slow armored characters that have a lot of hit points and high defense and can take a lot of damage and all that kind of stuff. So, with that definition in mind... Of these following tanks in the Mets minor league system, who are we going to promote, extend, and trade? First off, we have Zach Reams, who is six foot, 225 pounds, a big guy. We have Chase Chambers, who is 6'1", 250, an even bigger guy. Chonky. And last up is Andres Renault, who is six foot, 250 pounds. Renault is catcher. Chambers is a first baseman, and Reams is a first baseman slash quote-unquote outfielder. Uh, yeah. 
outfielder in the sense that uh, Daniel Murphy was also once an outfielder. Not great. He also supposedly was a shortstop as well, which I would have liked to have seen. Everyone's a shortstop at some point. <laughs> uh... Well, what, what are we what are we picking based on here? Do we want their ability in a fight? Because my money's on a catcher. Those guys are just way too tough to 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 go down easy. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, World of Warcraft. I know they're doing. I don't know. They're, they're hyping something. I don't know. Classic exactly WoW. They like released. They re-released the version from what, like fifteen years ago. I never oh, played. Oh, is that WoW. what that is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so if you could have any of these three characters as your World of Warcraft character, then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me the catcher. Give me Renault for extend. Same. Uh, I'll promote Chambers because he's a little bigger, and then I guess I'm trading Reeves. Sorry, sorry, you're not chonky enough for me. Yeah, he's only 225 pounds. Uh, I mean, yeah. they've, both, they've both got another 25 pounds on him. How much does Gnord weigh? Not as much as you would think. I, huh. I thought that he would be in the mix, but he's not. I think he's only like 210 or so. Right. Let me look it up here. He's 227, okay. according to MILB. We all know the real answer is Dan Vogelback, but we can't pick him. <laughs> no. All right, so... um. Well, the minor league season is over. It's sad. Now is now is we'll have the AFL coming up soon, and maybe we'll kind of marginally follow some of the you know uh, Caribbean winter teams. But other than that, you know, our our job here is done. I guess they already they already knocked off Sapucky off the uh, AFL team, right? So I don't, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone interesting that's even going? I mean, Jimenez? Jimenez yeah, is going? Okay, bunch of, sure. a bunch of interesting names. I think Peterson was on the list as well. I don't think so. David Peterson interesting. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, but, you know, there'll, there'll be some some content in addition to just us kind of talking and wasting time. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the beginning of the year, we made some predictions of how we thought the season would go how we thought players would do, whatever. So now that the season's over, I think this is a good time to review those. So let's start off with Ken's first prediction, that the Syracuse Mets in their inaugural season would make the AAA World Series. Didn't quite come true. They lost in dramatic fashion. They for, basically forced a play, uh, not a playoff game, a tiebreaker for the division, and they lost in dramatic fashion. Uh, the bullpen gave up like 13 runs in like the seventh and eighth innings. Typical Mets. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So not exactly true, but very close. Yeah, you know, if one of the I don't know, like six relievers who pitched in that game didn't completely implode. They maybe make the playoffs. <laughs> nope. Um, yep. <laughs> so I guess maybe we'll give that like a, a half, half true. Yeah, I'll take it. True. <laughs> All right. Next up is Lucas's prediction that Wilfred Astadia would become a real prospect. Oh. 
To this, I say define real. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, he now does correct exist. me if I'm wrong. You you thought he was like somewhat interesting, right, Steve? When you saw him, I only saw one game of him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, between Alvarez catching and um, Andres Reynolds catching, they didn't really have have much room in the threesome of catching for Estadio that week. But I mean, he didn't do terrible. He hit 267, 323, 408 this season in 36 games. Not bad. Didn't exactly stand out. He is just 19. Mm. We know that he has, you know, good bloodlines. So there is a chance. I, I See, I, I feel like saying he becomes a real prospect and implies that he, like, improves his prospect stock, which... Doesn't seem to have happened, right? He seems pretty much the same as yeah. at the start of the season. I mean, he um, what was it last year? He came to you know he came stateside at the end of the, of the season last year. He got into fourteen games with the GCL Mets, as opposed to this year when he spent the entire year with Kingsport. So I think that he is definitely more well established this season. But yeah, uh, yeah, he didn't exactly come into his own. Yeah, that's a, that's an L. But we'll give you we'll give you a half point because you know what it, it, he could in theory you know break into the scene next year. I mean, there's always the like he's not exactly well. It wasn't like like a huge sighting, so there's always a chance he hits like 150 and just flames out immediately. So he didn't do that, I guess. Right. So yeah, he was know. a roughly league average hitter, and you know they happy this year. That's not nothing. Kick the can down the road. I'll have to make the same prediction again next year. Yes. Yeah, eventually you'll be right. <laughs> or very wrong. <laughs> you just keep or doing very it. wrong, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took, it, it. took, it again, took us to deal the older until he was 27, so right? I've got another 10 years of making this prediction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my next, well, my first prediction, and I thought it was bold at the time, was that Peter Alonso would be National League Rookie of the Year. And holy crap! I think I was right. Yeah. Yep. I remember at the time thinking that the biggest hurdle to this scenario coming true was that the Mets would have to give him enough playing time, Mm -hmm. because at the time when we were recording, which is about either early or late March, there were all the questions about whether or not the Mets were gonna, you know, have him start the season in AAA or if they were gonna have him break camp with the team, but they uh, had him break camp with the team, and he has been amazing, and another hurdle I thought would be other, you know, other rookies having good seasons, and, you know, Fernando Tatis, he got hurt a while ago, I think that he was the only real competitor for Alonso, and at this point, I think it's a runaway. Yeah. I mean, realistically... And I don't. I know lots of Met fans won't like to hear this. I think Tatis should have been the Rookie of the Year had he stayed healthy. If he was healthy, um, who knows Despite, what other kind of stats he yeah. would put up? But he was a more dynamic player, to be sure. Yeah, I mean, Pete, Pete probably still would have won it just because you know dingers. But um, Tatis is really good. I also thought he, Robles would be a, more of a challenge to uh, to this one, but he kind of has been meh. 
yeah, I mean, Alonso has been a lot better than I think anybody could have reasonably predicted that he would have been. Mm-hmm. And just the rest of the 2019 crop of class of rookies have not performed as at, at as high a level as I guess we all collectively thought they would have. And the only guy I think you could say is a real challenge right now might be Soroka. Um, but I still think Pete's better. Maybe Paddock, if he hadn't had so many innings restrictions, would have been a better competitor. If the Pirates were a team that everyone, if, if the Pirates were a team that didn't suck and that everyone didn't ignore anyway, uh, Reynolds <laughs> might be in the conversation, but I'm pretty sure no one actually knows who he is, so. I also just don't think he's that good. <laughs> he's bad. He's bad at being like 400, right? Like that's the entirety of his offensive output. Pretty much, yeah. Like, um, if you regress him, say even to like 330, like none of those numbers look anywhere yeah, near as good. Yeah, I nailed it. I hit it on the head. He is actually bad at being 400. Wow. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Not bad. So there's that's an easy win for you, Steve. Nice. He's like a below average hitter if you take away 70 points of BAPIP. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's some hard regression. Alright, uh, next up was Ken's prediction that Simeon Woodridge Richardson shoves in Brooklyn and he gets promoted to full season ball before the season ends. So, Columbia, presumably. Mm-hmm. So, do we count this as a uh, win, even though they never, he never pitched in Brooklyn? <laughs> I would count it as a win, yeah, because if you just the spirit replace, of it is yeah, full season it, ball. Exactly. And he surprisingly started in Columbia and I guess, you know, the surface numbers were kind of so so, but the underlying numbers are all pretty good. So I guess we could consider that shoving. And it was in full season ball. I don't know, I and, think any any K nine above like ten counts as shoving. Yeah. He was running an eleven. As a 19-year-old. Right, right. And then we got Marcus Stroman out of it. Yep. Hey, I would still make that trade. Yeah, same. The Stroman right. walking so many people is oh. just strange. It's like he he's just forgotten how to throw strikes. I think he's not getting as much help low in the zone. That's probably true. It's probably at least a little bit of it. Trying to get those pitches down and not being able to as as frequently. Boy, I love Wilson Ramos. He's a hell of a hitter. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, the next two, I guess we can kind of couple together because, ironically, they were basically about the same player but saying the exact opposite thing. Lucas uh, predicted that Thomas Zipalke would return and become a top three player in the system and possibly even the top prospect in baseball. And I predicted that Zipucky would, re- would return and he would drop out of the Mets' top 10 list completely. I think we're both wrong. Yeah, I think we're both wrong on this. <laughs> it's kind of somewhere in the middle. <laughs> uh, the numbers were all solid for Zipucky. He posted a, a 263 ERA over 61.2 innings. Um, at Col- uh, all together with Columbia, St. Lucie, and Binghamton. He, he, uh, you know, he looked okay. The beginning of the year was kind of concerning. The, the fastball's only in like 
the high 80s, touching like 90, 91. But by the time I saw him in June, he was more 89 to 94, kind of sitting 91 to 93. And he was definitely like stretched out a bit more. Mm-hmm. And the secondary pitches, his curveball and his changeup were obviously still returning. But that's what happens when you don't pitch for a couple of years. And then he went to St. Lucie, and they don't have TV. And then his time in Binghamton was limited, so it's kind of hard to judge how much he's developed or regressed since, you know, he was in Columbia. They have very good MILB TV feeds. Um, I know that Jeff of Baseball Prospectus has kind of been very down on him. Yeah. He's gotten, you know, not that great reports. Um, I don't know if those have been before or after I saw him. From just me seeing him personally, uh, from, you know, the couple of innings that he, he threw in that game. Uh, uh, he looked okay. But again, it, it's like it's like Anthony Kay last year. He was only whatever last year and it was his first year coming back out of uh, uh, after Tommy John surgery and then this season he he was at least in uh, Binghamton anyway he was really and obviously he's made it to the major leagues and you know so that's a, a success story but it, it's definitely because of the Tommy John it's hard to judge so I, I think evaluating Zipaki's season comes down to, to basically two things. I think comparable to how we all kind of collectively viewed Kay's season from last year, it's really just like a big step forward that he's on the field and pitching. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes the season a success in my view, you know, regardless of outcomes or what he actually looked like. Um, the other part of that is, like, how confident are we that he remains a starter? I feel kind all. of is is answers the question, you know. I mean, we've we've been uh, we've all been proponents of having him altered into that kind of stretched reliever fireman kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The Mets, you know, he he basically all of his he made. 21 appearances, 18 of which were starts. Most of them are like, you know, two, three, four innings. Uh, you know, it got stretched out, obviously, as, as the season went on. They seem to be not determined to keep him a starter, but he's been a starter. Um, he reached 61 innings this season. So, I mean, if you want to be safe or whatever you want to call it next season let's say he gets to about 100 innings or so if he remains a starter so he'll be a 24 year old stretched out at about 100 innings you could conceivably keep him a starter and then let's say he does get promoted to the major leagues um next year he could remain within that you know 100 inning threshold or so I mean, you could probably you could probably do what the Cardinals always used to do with, assuming that he's progressing enough. Just do what the Cardinals always used to do with their starting pitchers. Well, let him pitch as a, a starter in the minors, and if he gets close to that ink cap, promote him to the bolt, major league mm-hmm. bullpen, and then mm-hmm. get his feet wet. Um, 
At the same time, unlike because we had a similar discussion with K at one point, unlike with K, I think Sapucky's stuff actually does play up in the bullpen, right? So it's not yes, your, your only. It's his only value is not from just being a starter like K was. Um, so I don't think really it's they're as, they're as almost important. the exact opposites. A lot of K's value derived from his just stamina and durability, right? Exactly. Sapucky's never showed that at all. Right, right, and and then K doesn't really have prototypical bullpen stuff and. Sapucky used to. Maybe he doesn't anymore, but it's... Yeah, it's, it's a lot is going to hinge on what the curveball looks like going Right, forward. right, exactly. Like, I'd be I'd be fine if they just made him a, a, a reliever at the start of next season, though. Like, I think that'd be okay. I'd go so yeah, far. I mean, as I would count that as a win overall. Yeah. And they already wanted to send him to the AFL and then decided not to co- so that his arm could stay fresh with only 60 innings. Like, that's not a great sign. So. No. Don't need to, like, he probably has a limited number of, of, of pitches left in that arm if it's that flimsy or that, that sore all the time. Move him fast as a reliever. So all this said, I think, but, Given the system that the Mets currently do have, he definitely is going to, I think, remain in the top ten list. All of these warts and everything aside. How many? I'm trying to think of who's in front of him. Allen, Jimenez, Mauricio, Vientos, Batty, Peterson. Probably. Who? Oh, Batty. Batty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Peterson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had Arguably Wolf. Well, that's, that was the one I was going to ask about. Like, where do you put him below Wolf or above Wolf? Um, I'd probably take Newton ahead of him still. Yeah. I might put Alvarez ahead of him. Oh, yeah, but definitely. It's either, either of the exciting center fielders. Um, that's going to be an interesting conversation to have down the line. I'd, but he's I'd like, probably, that... yeah, I'd probably put him above the two guys who barely played. Um, Right, but I think you can make a case. You can yeah, yeah, yeah. For them. It's within the fudge factor, which probably also answers the question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think either of us get this one right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a net neutral. All right, um, let's take a quick, a quick break, and when we get back, we'll go over some more of our minor league predictions from earlier in the season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody. This is from Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin. And we're just going over some of the predictions that we made earlier in the year about what would be happening down on the farm in 2019. 
so far, some hits, some misses, and kind of some goop in the middle. Uh, our next projection is from Ken, and he believed that Andres Jimenez would not be making the major leagues because either he would not be dominating in the upper minors or because he would be blocked by the uh, veterans at the Mets signs. And that came true. Uh, both, really. Not for particularly yeah not for basically the reason he didn't dominate is because they you know messed with his swing and (laughs) he had kind of a backwards year altogether so maybe not in spirit but yeah he didn't make the big leagues and that was kind of not necessarily disappointing but you know yeah i mean i'm i'm really wondering what they do to his swing this offseason if they try to revert it or make him stick with this yeah i don't know i don't know i mean it's not like it's a kind of situation where they they introduced the changes and it kind of took him a while to get acclimated to them and then you know he's off and running Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at his numbers here. He did have a pretty good July. You know, basically April, May, June, he's sitting 237, 240, 203. He did hit 295 in July. Um, he, he, really, he hit, if he hit the way that he hit in July for the entire year, that would be like a top prospect in baseball. In July, he hit 295, 337, 500. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, with, you know, his shortstop defense, that would be a top prospect or across the board, but outside of those 25 games or so, the rest of the year was not particularly that great. So, I'm not really sure what to make of that, um, because then in August, he went right back down to 250, 296, 370. So, it's like he had that epiphany, and then just, it was gone the next month. Uh, for those people who maybe, I don't think we've actually talked about the changes they made to his swing, have we ever? Like so, for those people who maybe haven't seen it, what did they what did they do to it? Did we? I don't know. Well, yeah. So, um, when was it? When did I see him? I think it was in May mm-hmm. when Binghamton came to Trenton. But I remember I was at the game. Um, I got a text from Jeffrey and Jared that they were there too. So I found them. You know, I went over. We were sitting down together, and. Uh, Jared just kind of, we were just watching and Jared just all of a sudden is like, did they change his swing? And so we were looking and basically Jimenez kind of had, a, you know, as, as a, you know, six foot, 160 pound kid, you know, there's not that much raw power. So he would have a swing that worked for him. It was kind of level line drivey, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we noticed is that. He will added a whole ton of uppercut and loft to the swing. Obviously, you know, we want to put the ball in the air as, as the whole launch angle revolution has demonstrated. But Jimenez isn't, you know, a slugger. Um, so he, he's basically lifting the ball with an uppercutty swing and not much is happening. And that obviously has produced a lot of fly ball outs, a lot of strikeouts as, you know, the bat is still, you know, kind of uppercutting through the zone as the pitcher's coming through, still getting used to the swing. 
Um, so, you know, that takes you know time to just figure out where you're, where the, the plane of the bat is going to be in relation to the ball and the zone and everything. So it was just a, a, a bad decision. <laughs> Very bad decision. It's, it's not around. even, it doesn't even seem to have like done that much. It's his fly ball rate only, like he was at 27 in, at double A in 2018. He was running roughly a 30% fly ball rate throughout his career before this and now he's at 34. It's, it doesn't even seem like it's done what it's supposed to do. It knocked his ground ball rate down a little bit and his line drive rate up a little bit, but the goal is probably to, to, this, these sort of subtle changes are probably not the goal of that swing change. And it did, you know, he, he did hit a career, uh, career high nine home runs this year. But realistically, his home run ceiling is not, you know, he, he's never going to be like a 20 home run slugger or, or, no. or 20 plus or anything like that. I mean, probably between 10 and 15 is the most you're going to get out of him. I mean, he is only 20. So there's still some more physical development that he'll make, you know, but he's a kind of lean kid, you know, like I said before, he's six foot, 160 pounds, maybe at best he puts on like another 20 pounds of muscle or so. I mean, as we saw Jeff McNeil, he did go from like a very light hitter to a 20-ish home run guy. So, I mean, in theory, it's possible, but... uh, it's just not good to tinker around with your top prospect like that. It's just weird to me. Like, they, he spent so much time and energy before last season, like, developing his lower body musculature so that he could, you know, basically jump two grades of speed. Mm-hmm. And then you're emphasizing power in his game, like, which limits the ability for him to use his now plus speed in games, you know? Right. It just reeks to me of, like, no cohesive plan. Yep. That does sound... For how to get him to the big leagues and, you know... Now, in in fairness, they, there was a front office change, so... It's true. Like, I, I... At the same time, you would hope that you'd recognize, hey, look, this te- this is not a team with a lot of speed... Steals aren't in vogue, but this guy seems to actually be quite good at it. Maybe we should just train him to be like a 280 to 300 hitter. Let's work on his batter size so he walks a little bit more. Not not his not alter his swing so he can hit 15 homers instead of five. Who cares? And with his speed, he'll he'll run into doubles. Like, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. You absolutely. know, like if you had a guy who's hitting 280, putting up I don't know a 750 OPS and stealing. 30 bases at shortstop with good defense, you don't really need that much power for that profile to be really enticing. Yeah, like, like mm-hmm. it's it's not the sexiest profile, but, like, he's never been... <laughs> right, that's a, that's that, a nice little player. Yeah, it's like, um... I don't know if Martin Prado could Run. play a, se- a seven shortstop and steal, you know, 25 to 30 bags a year. Yep. What is that? <laughs> yeah. That's a really good player to have. <laughs> I, I totally, I totally agree. And the, uh, I'm looking now at the numbers. <sighs> huh. Okay. I didn't know that Alex Bregman was a shortstop. Yeah. He, whenever, every time, uh, uh, Correa hurts his back, Bregman slides over. Now I will say, 
Jimenez was caught 16 times this year, which isn't isn't great, right? Like uh, no, the ratio is the the. Str- but, but he has to... the he has the raw speed to be better at this, right? Like, why don't you focus on coaching that? Or oh yeah, definitely. I, I think that this year, in terms of that, I think it was just one of those things. That just just run and learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about getting caught, blah blah blah. Just you know, start developing a, an eye for you know pitchers and their cues and everything like that. But yeah, I'm looking now at the numbers of, you know, that the era of big hitting shortstops. It, it's still going, I guess. I mean, we have Torres is 37, Bregman is 36, Story is 32, Bogarts is 31, Lindor 31, Machado 30. So you have your top, the top tier, obviously, there are sluggers. I mean, Trey Turner is still a really good hitter. Right, Trey, Tur- yeah, Trey Turner, who is tied... Well, it says 18, but I'm, it's not, not taking into account the players that are tied, but, but he is about 18th in the league among shortstops, and he has 14 homers, and he's a great hitter, obviously. And, and the speed is, is huge. I mean, Corey Seager will probably improve the farther he gets away from Tommy John. There are a lot of really good hitting shortstops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've missed any of them. Get some angry emails from someone. We didn't mention Tatis. No. We're right here. That's it. Gene Segura. He has 12 homers. Yeah. Solid, average, okay on base percentage, decent slugging, and he's 14th in the major leagues in terms of you know, wins above replacement. Tied. Actually tied for 14. Tied for 11th. 12th. 12th. Uh, tied for 12th. You know, I always thought Segura was a pretty decent, like, stat line outcome for Jimenez and what you're hoping for, right? Like mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. early career, not a lot of power, but I'm going to steal 30 bases and play a decent shortstop with like leave a league average bat. So three to four win player. Yep. And that's, he's a, has anybody ever said, wow, Gene Segura is not keeping up his side of the bargain. We need to replace him. No. no. So that's, you know, if Jimenez developed into that kind of player, that'd be fine. And he seemed to have been on that trajectory until, you know, recently. Hopefully he, you know, I don't know, figures out had to, you know, hopefully he makes his own changes to the swing and reports back to camp and is able to, you know, maybe incorporate a little bit of the power changes with the swing that brought him more success last season. Uh, all right. Oh, here's another depressing one. My take that Mark Vientos would become the Mets' top prospect uh, didn't exactly happen. Kind of was like a tale of two seasons for Vientos. In his first half, wait, oh, in the first half from April to about the end of June, he hit 240, 286, 364. Not good, especially for your, you know, one of your top slugging prospects. When I saw him in Colombia, it was definitely the worst stretch of his season. He was already struggling in June, so he was just hitting 233, 244, 302 for the month. And the week that I saw him, which is the week right before the All-Star game, he went 3 for 21 with 8 strikeouts. Then the All-Star break came, he got a few days off, whatever, and then he hit 297, 333, 514 for the rest of the month. 
and then 270, 315, 464 for the rest of the year. So, Vientos definitely not going to be the Mets' top prospect for 2019, but thankfully it does look like he righted the ship a little bit, and he's not going to drop as far down as I was worried at the time that he might. Um, but, you know, I saw... I saw him when he struggled most, and that's kind of one of those things where you you when you see a player either at his worst or his best, it kind of colors your perception, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he didn't hit for as much power as I thought he would have. Um, you know, it wasn't eye popping. He had 13 homers, but that was still good for eighth in the Atlantic League, uh, which is. It's really good for a 19-year-old. And Segra Park is just a little favorable to pitchers, so there's that. More concerning to me was the walk-to-strikeout rates. He had a 4.8% walk rate and a 242 strikeout rate, so it's not optimal. I'm hoping that he was just kind of a kid that was over his head a little bit. You know, he's making a big jump from Kingsport to Columbia. And hopefully next year with this year of experience under his belt, he's able to recognize spin and, and sequencing a little bit better. He's able to draw a few more walks and strike out a little bit less, presumably against, you know, high A pitching in St. Lucie next year. Yeah. I don't know. It might just be, he might just be a guy who just is swing. Is, do you think it's like a bat to ball issue or, or more of a, just a vision issue for him? Um, my main, oh. I mean, what, what take, what sticks out still the most to me, like, I don't even have my notes up, but I just remember in one of the games, I think he had like four at-bats, and all the pitches did was just throw him like curveballs and sliders down and away, and he just swung at every single pitch, every yeah. single pitch, and he just looked lost. And now again, having seen him at his worst, you know, he wasn't having a good season to be with, but was that just a particularly bad week? Because as we see, he did recover after the All-Star break. He hit pretty good for the next week. And then for the rest of the season, he was, you know, solid. You know, he hit 273, 315, 464 for the rest of the year. If that was the line that he gave for the rest of his career as a prospect, that would be, you know, the walk, the, the on-base percentage you want to be a little bit higher, but I mean, a 270 batting average and a 460 four slugging percentage that would be great so mm. I mean if he could hit like that for the rest of his career that'd be that'd be solid so I don't know if you know there's just something wrong that you know he could have just had the flu or something like that you know like one of those things that we're just not privy to um but yeah it just looked like he was just not recognizing pitches and just getting beat by the breaking stuff constantly the bat is a little slow and long, um, but uh, you know, as we saw when they changed Jimenez's swing, that's something that you can just kind of tweak a little bit, and then hopefully <laughs> it's better than it was before, as opposed to uh, Jimenez when it was worse than it was before. But you know, he, yeah. he's still young and growing, and I'm not afraid. I'm not um, worried that you know he's going to be like a, a slow, bad pitch slugger. I think that there's a little bit more in him than that. 
Can we give him a VR headset all off season and just have him look at pitches over and over, over and over again? I do wish. I wonder if any teams are looking into doing that for some of their prospects. That sounds like a raise thing. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to work on your pitch recognition, and to me, at least in the week that I saw him, that seemed to be his biggest problem. But that's something that can be overcame. So definitely not the Mets' top prospect, but his, uh, you know, I think he's he's still a top ten prospect in the system. He's still young, you know. This this is only his age nineteen season. He'll just be twenty next year, presumably in high A. All of the potential that was there last year and when he was drafted is is still there. So I'm not too worried. Just a little worried, but not too worried. Um, I think an interesting question when it comes time for this season is um, how does he compare to like Batty? Well, you know, kind of similar well, type of players. He's he's younger, two levels higher, and yeah. <laughs> neither had the season you wanted them to have. Yeah, Batty. You know, has the the draft year caveats. Yeah, I just I have no idea where to put Batty at this point because like yeah. I don't want to. Oh no, you didn't hit. You didn't come out of the gate on fire in your draft year. You know, it's not like you had a huge life life changing event happen or anything. But yeah, yeah, it's not like he's adjusting to being a professional for the first time. Right. Um, in, in terms of those two, though, Vientos definitely goes above Batty. Um, they are similar players. But Mike Weaver, One's just farther ahead of yes, the other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Vientos is younger. He is at I a don't much think more have, advanced level. I don't think we have enough data on either to definitively say, you know, of these two guys with comparable profiles, one, you know, the younger one is, or not even the younger one. <laughs> the, <laughs> the newer one. The newer one, the shinier new toy um, is uh, significantly better or anything. So, yeah. Yeah, I think on, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of lists out there, but I think maybe on, on some lists, who's, I don't know, I'm not, I, I legit, I'm not taking shots on anybody, I'm just saying, like, if people made lists, I could see people putting Beatty ahead of Vientos just based on on exactly that, the new toy syndrome, and the fact that Vientos didn't exactly have an impressive year this year, but definitely, I would say that, that the two should should be reversed and Viento should be ranked ahead of Beatty. That's actually that's like a really interesting question that I've thought about a lot and I don't want to start rattling on about like Beatty and Priors or anything else but like when you're ranking these kind of prospects there's always that conflict of right this is what the profile and this is how I should rank them based on their profiles in general but then I have these thoughts about this specific player where I've seen this data without seeing any data from this other player so I'm not I don't know. I think there's like a strange calculus that goes into it. That might actually be worth discussing more in length later, but um, yeah, yeah, I assume that'll be one of the things we talk about a lot as we come to January and list season. Right, so. right, right. Oh, yeah, I mean, making making uh, a list, you know, is def- there's a lot more that goes into it than just looking at, you know, a, a page of everybody's stats and just kind of, you know, Sorting by OPS or WRC plus or whatever, and just saying, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I only sort by reliever ERA. Oh, that's a good idea. Catcher, <laughs> catcher, reliever ERA. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
In that case, Steven Nogasek is in the top ten. <laughs> oh, God. Well, he, he would have been before that terrible, terrible, terrible game. That was last day of the season. really bad. That was like <laughs> Tom Glavin in 07 levels of bad. Yeah, that was uh, flashbacks. Yeah. All right, uh, Ken, your, your prediction, prediction next was that Shervian Newton would be in the top ten in the South Atlantic League in homers. He uh, was not. <laughs> he wasn't as far back as I thought he would end up. Uh, he was 25th in the Sally with nine dingers and uh, needed to hit 13 in order to crack the top ten. So Probably not happening. Yep. Uh, turns out he's got like a grade or two less of hit tool than. Yeah, it was. Uh, I gave him credit for. And when you have that, you don't hit as many dingers. It's a bad season for him. I think he started the season off injured. I remember he yeah, started off. Yeah, he missed in, time to start the year, and in then in April, right? He he yeah. debuted like the tr- end of the month, and then he was just hitting like terrible. And everyone's just like, oh no, that's that can't possibly continue. And unfortunately, it, it did for most of the season. He ended up hitting 209, 283, 330 with nine homers. I mean, the fact in that he was able to get up to an 80 weighted at all is kind of impressive given how bad it started. Yeah, I mean, he even, even last season in Kingsport, well, maybe not even because, I mean, those are pretty good numbers. He hit 280, 408, 449 in Kingsport. But, I mean, he he's a hard prospect to judge. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he was signed out of Curacao. So, international prospects, I think it, it's more of a crapshoot because it's not like there's as well-defined tiers of players like there, like there isn't. In the MLB draft with college and high school kids, but I mean his his thing is always the power, and you know he he did hit nine homers, which is good. I think that was good for second on Columbia, behind uh, Vientos. But obviously, when you're swinging and your strikeout rate is as, as high as it was, he struck out 139 times in 109 games, so not not great. But when you're swinging and missing a lot, then it's going to depress your average. And when your average is depressed, your arm base percentage is going to be depressed. And your slugging percentage, everything is going to be kind of fakakta, you know? So. And then you're, and then the prospect writers are going to be depressed and just everyone's depressed, you know? Right. And then when everyone's depressed, I feel depressed. And it's, just, <laughs> it's not good. But I think he is another case of he's not as bad as it looks but it's we're not as high as we were like you don't want to drop too far down but you don't want to like compensate and then be too bullish on him either so kind of in that new middle ground do you do you think like i really do wonder if there was just something going on with that affiliate this year cuz kind of everyone was bad except Mauricio so I wonder if there was there needs to be some like coaching changes or something down there. Um, I don't know. 
Now the they might just is, also be bad, like because prospects flame out and whatever. Right. But. I mean, a lot of the thing, a, a lot of that team were guys that were either, you know, in in rookie ball or whatever that were just kind of thrown into the flames and said, like, let's see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And you know, some responded better than others. You know, Simeon Wood Richardson, he had a, a very good year. Mark Vientos kind of had a uh, year. Shervian Newton did not have that great of a year. Ronnie Mauricio had a solid year, so. Yeah, I'm not even sure they're calling, I'm not even, like, the, the Mauricio being good is, like, the, what we hear from, from the scouts more than anything he actually did on the field, so. Right. Maybe, the, the, maybe it is un- just, like, they need to tweak some things at Columbia. The underlying, like, skills and everything from Mauricio are off the charts. Uh, right. The numbers, at least until June or so, you know, he, he, Clearly, it looks like he got tired or whatever the case was because his second-half numbers were a lot worse than his first-half numbers. But he's a good player <laughs> is what the point is. Right. I mean, I think that's fair. My my argument would be that, like, he ha- he didn't improve in either of the two areas that were his biggest weakness, right? He didn't improve his walk rate. He didn't really hit for that much more power. He right, hit for right. less power. So I, I would wonder if it's a coaching thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a uh... – it's not like anyone, like we were saying, it's not like anybody else thrived, particularly. Even, you know, the, the pitchers, nobody really stood out, aside for Woods Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just really a down year for that whole team. Like, really, nobody on that team. Hey, um, somebody at The Athletic wrote an article, I think probably Tim Britton, wrote an article about the, uh, I don't really remember what it said, but it was basically like all of these guys are pressing a little bit. I mean, it's possible. Now, I mean, Sandy, Sandy always talked about, and this is probably just him. Uh, um, uh, I don't want to say bullshitting, but, uh, laying down a smoke screen, he talked about like the importance of having minor league teams that win. And I'm not sure I totally agree with that, but maybe it's important to prevent guys from pressing like that. Because, I mean, they're competitors. They do want to win. Oh, yeah, you I'll... definitely don't want to get people into bad habits and, and bad what's – a, what's a word for it? Just aside for habits. Into a, it's a culture of losing, mm-hmm. you know. It's, all, it's also really easy to understand why they might be stressed or, you know, like not thinking – not thinking as hard about their long-term development as aside from maybe we just want to win. I just want to not strike out this bad. I just want to get a single. Right. right rather right. than thinking about what they need to improve long-term. If the team is bad and they, and they kind of need those hits, I, that's, that might be another thought about Columbia's struggles. If it's like a snowballing effect. Yeah. Well, hopefully everybody involved here has uh, better seasons next year. Yep. All right, uh, well, let's take another quick break, and when we get back, we'll go over some of our final predictions from earlier in the season. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, 
which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Seipel, and I'm joined by Lucas and Ken. And we're just going over our 2019 minor league predictions from earlier in the year. And uh, Lucas, here's another loss, I guess. Oh. <laughs> you predicted that Steven of the Lines oh. would have 20-plus but... innings with an ERA below 3.25 and a K per 9 over 10. It was oddly oh. specific. Okay, we just move on. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if those of you didn't keep up with Valiance, he didn't even post a 10K9 at AA and was bad in 16 AAA innings, no major league innings. All those concerns about, like, his stuff just not being enough for the high minors of the majors is probably true. Uh, Rest I in mean, peace, the dream. We all know how funky. International League stats are this year, so That's I'm fair. willing to give him another year on the ability to be effective against upper level pitching. There might be, there might also be an argument for his that he has a skill that's particularly valuable, valuable in current baseball, that being homer suppression. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, I'm not like ready to say he's the next Eric Handhold or whatever and we should DFA him tomorrow, but I'm the hype train got a little derailed. And by yeah. a little I mean Barry. Uh, I mean, you know, sixteen innings in triple A, it's not the biggest sample. He was pretty good in Binghamton. If you want to say that maybe his performance in Binghamton is more indicative of how he will be overall as as a player at the major leagues because of, you know, the ability to face more top prospect hitters and whatever else, you know, if if someone wanted to make that case, I could give it to them a little bit. Yeah. Um and then obviously, you know, like I said, with the the new ball in AAA and the international league when, you know, Rene Rivera's hitting 25 homers and everything like it just produced odd numbers we always knew that it would be a risk as he goes up the 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 minor league ladder because he's a guy that his fastball you know sits like 85 86 87 it was just kind of the arm slot that he was throwing from that was kind of fooling a lot of batters but I mean, the double-A stat line is basically what you'd hope, like, the, the optimistic scenario for him in the major leagues. He strikes out enough guys, he suppresses homers really well because he's funky, and he works as, like, a seventh-inning reliever. Yeah, 
I mean, that, I, I don't think that anyone ever had more. Well, clearly I did because I said he'd have a 10K9. <laughs> Oops. But yeah, I don't think anyone envisioned more from him than that, being able to, you know, best case scenario, make the major leagues as a kind of a middle reliever guy that thrives on his funkiness. And this hiccup aside, I think that that still that is still uh, a scenario that could come true. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'd, if if the Mets were out of it and they were still playing Chris Mazza instead of Stephen Valiance, I'd be a little annoyed. <laughs> Somehow they're still half in it, but whatever. Yeah, that's unfortunate that the team doesn't have like a kind of hotshot rookie that they can just kind of bring in and yeah. either boost the, the bench or the rotation or the, the bullpen, whatever it may be. But, yeah, that player does not exist in this farm system. All right. Oh, one last uh, prediction was uh, another good one for me. I said that the Cyclones would win the New York Penn League championship, and holy shit, they did. I think I think Steve is cheating. <laughs> I mean, how would I know in March that they would uh-huh. go uh, balls to the wall? Tell me my future, you wizard. Yeah, are you a wizard? But <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was a fun championship run that they had. I was at game three because there's a best of five series. Oh no, it was the best. Yeah, no, best it's of best three. Of what three. am I saying? Yes. It was best of three, so I was at game three of that championship series against the Lowell Spinners, and that was just uh, an exciting game because of the tension from, like, the first pitch to last pitch. Um, at no point were the Cyclones, like, you know, it wasn't like a 10 nothing route in the first inning, and at no point were they in such a hole that you knew that they weren't getting out of it. You know, it was a close, well-played, for the most part, bowl game by both teams from first to last pitch. Um, and it was just fun. And actually being, like, in the stands when your team wins, like, the championship, is it's such a cool feeling. I mean, like, I was alive when the Mets won, but I was, like, 10 days old, you know, so I had no conception of that. Um, I was not at any of the playoff games in 2006 or... Or 2015. Um, I'm a Giants fan. You know, I, I saw all their their playoff runs and Super Bowl victories in the last couple of years, 2007 and 11, but didn't get to like be there and experience it. Uh, same thing with the Rangers. You know, kind of just watching from afar. I was in Pittsburgh. When was it? Two years ago. It was. The pirate, uh, not the pirates. It was the Penguins and the Canadians, I think it was, and it was Game Seven of their series, and it went to like double overtime, and Pittsburgh Pirate, Pittsburgh Penguins won, and it was like cool to see the hometown like celebrating a victory. But I had no, you know, I had no skin in the game. I was, uh, me and my family, we went on like a. A road trip. We went to Cleveland to see the Indians. I think the Reds played and the Rock and Roll 
the Hall of Fame. And then we came back to Pittsburgh and stopped to see a, a Mets game. And then we just happened to be like, hey, there, there, there's tickets to the game seven of the of the semifinals for like $60 on Subhub. Like, okay. But it's it's a really fun feeling to experience just like pure win, you know. So hopefully, uh, it's like were there like champagne? Was there champagne spraying and all that good fun stuff? <laughs> yes, there was. I, I believe there was a little bit of the bubble. Oh there god, wasn't I knew it was and... coming. <laughs> I don't even that. watch wrestling. <laughs> I didn't want to go there because I don't want to like overplay the joke, but yes. Steve, was... we only beat jokes into the ground here. That is true. <laughs> is, it, is it even an AA joke if it hasn't been just ground into a fine powder from overuse? That is a very good point. But yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a fun experience. And it would have really sucked if they lost because then you're just kind of like sit around and mope and then train ride going home is going to be really crappy and that's great all right well you guys have any last words for the week i can't believe the mets got flexed to sunday night again yeah it's bad on facebook yeah true it's bad but i've decided to go so (laughs) Oh, have fun. Oh, all right. Be scared well, there you go. to see uh, the crappy ESPN booth. <laughs> I, I just, like, I try to pull up an extremely legal stream and then sync it up with the radio broadcast so I don't have to actually listen to the ESPN broadcast. Probably better off. Yeah, it's, it's so bad. Yep. All right, well, if anyone has any uh, questions, comments, you could send us an email at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. You could follow us all individually on Twitter. I am at Steve Seifer. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. And Ken is at KenLevin91. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate the show, review the show, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week with some more uh, relevant minor league musings and discussion. And until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.